I'm Gary Erickson. And I'm Tyler Hogue. We became best buds through the heavy music scene. And now we're doing a podcast, breaking down our favorite bands, albums, and shows. This is All Consuming Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode. Today, tonight, whenever you're listening, <laughs> we're going to do Under Oath, They're Only Chasing yes, Safety. Yes, a classic. I'm so stoked for this, dude. So, let's just jump right into this. Let's do it. So, the genre, highly <laughs> debated. How do you describe what they sound like if you've never listened to this album? And I think the simple blanket terms would be like, metalcore for sure yeah you know and i think a lot of times we just like group everything in metalcore if it's like screaming you know um or from this like era but like okay i would say like metalcore is like as a lay dying war of ages like that's what i think of when i think of like straight up metalcore and under uh-huh. oath doesn't really fit that no right it doesn't musically especially i say they don't fit it you could say like lyrically like or vocally that their heaviness of Spencer's vocals like okay that can fit yeah. but musically man it is kind of hard to define. So let's let's keep let's keep jumping in. Okay. This album came out June 15th, 2004 and originally the album was ready to be recorded with their previous frontman so the music was done. And they were ready for Dallas Taylor to come in who is their previous singer. Right, yeah. He's in Mailing in the Sons of Disaster. Yeah, was in, but due to whatever personal and artistic reasons that he left the band, he was replaced by Spencer Chamberlain, who so this is his first wow time screaming with the band. Speaking of Spencer Chamberlain, yeah, uh, let's go through the lineup. Okay, so the lineup for this album is the same as what they are today. The exact same. Exact same. Spencer Chamberlain yeah. screaming vocals and some cleans. Aaron Gillespie, drums, Mm -hmm. and clean vocals. Timothy McTagg, lead guitar. Grant Brandle, bass guitar. James Smith on rhythm guitar. And Christopher Dudley on keyboards. Oh, yeah. I love me some Christopher Dudley, dude. I'm sure you do. (laughs) I do. I really do. (laughs) From the music videos? Is that why? Oh, dude, back in the day, like, just seeing him rock out on his keys, his synth or whatever, like, I was like, no way that dude goes that hard all the time. But when I saw them live, that dude goes that hard all the time. (laughs) He freaking just is rocking out. And he'll, like, he will hit whatever pad or whatever and then just go crazy all over the stage. Yeah, I love me some Christopher Dudley, dude. He's been there from the beginning. You know, and that's another thing that makes them a little bit different. I know there are... You know, you think of like Devil Wears Prada and stuff has a lot of synth stuff going, electronic things back in when they started. But Under Oath for sure, that's who they are, right? They have that that too, yeah. the electronic element to their music. Yep. The album was produced by James Paul Wisner. And you're going to be like, who's this guy? I have no idea, bro. Yeah. So he did their previous albums, which I was surprised uh, because their okay. previous albums were heavy. More like hardcore, uh, black metal and no way unblack. I know. Yeah. Okay, so Change of Times was no. That was a lot. Not. That was like a lot closer to this. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, but their the stuff two. before was like 
early Devil Wears Prada and early Haste the Day had a kid. Whoa. Like, it's just chaos, and it's a ton of fun. I got to listen to it with a bunch of guys on Discord. My first time listening to it, we all listened to it together in one of our turntable rooms, and we were just like, how can, where is this band? Like, they need to come back right here. This is amazing. Whoa. I'll have to listen to it. Yes. This guy who produced the album, he did bands like Paramore. Oh, Misery Run Kid Run. Dashboard Confessional. Emo. Further Seems Forever. Newfound Glory. Ah. That kind of stuff. Okay. So really poppy, you know, emo, pop punk type stuff. Yeah. Okay. So it, it feels weird. I mean, I now that I know that and you hear this album, you'll think I can see how that catchiness and the melody, the melodic part of the whole thing really comes together is you know matching all those other bands right interesting it is interesting <laughs> the artwork you know the girl with the with the mask covid mask i mean the uh hospital not a covid <laughs> <laughs> no uh it, it's one of those you know oxygen masks that's yeah. clear and whatever but the artwork was done by a guy named chris mccadden and he was the old vocalist for embodiment and oh. the famine and he was also in Demon Hunter. He played guitar in Demon Hunter for a while for Summer of Darkness. Really? So there's that. I saw Under Oath on tour with the Famine. Oh yeah. Yeah, they were there. They were like the one of the openers or first bands that went. You know. How were they? They're awesome. I mean, I didn't know much from them at the time. You're just like, there's this band. Yeah. Yeah, like I saw they were on the 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 list to play or whatever, and so I listened to a few of their few of their songs or whatever and i was like oh these guys are cool but didn't really get into them and then they broke up or whatever happened to them and that's yeah. it dude that's like the worst story i've ever told about a band. i was <laughs> interested <laughs> did you know so this this album was re-released like a year later right with four more songs it is that the, like the blue and greenish yeah weird colored album so that that album art was done by an, by Jacob Bannon, and he's the vocalist for the band Converge, huh. really big metalcore. Interesting. Band. So like, yeah. I remember seeing that. That was the my buddy had this album. So like, I didn't really I knew this album, but like I was listening to other stuff at the time. I was going through this weird like rap phase, kind of where I was listening to, like Little John and the East Side Boys <laughs> and stuff like that. Tyler, let's be real. All I've, this- I've seen you. <laughs> randomly playing some tupac like and you're like no this isn't me. like this isn't tupac this is like i went through like a crunk phase dude where i was listening okay. to like atlanta music you know all mm-hmm. like the the rappers from atlanta anyways um so i wasn't really listening to this stuff at the time i was going through this weird phase my buddy had these the re-released album i assume it was mm-hmm. and i thought that was hannibal lecter I thought it was like a, I thought it was like some artwork of Hannibal Lecter. And I was like, that's not very original. Okay, whatever. And I just thought it was like this death metal music type of deal. Um, yeah, the re-release is like it makes you think this is going to be dark and yeah. heavy. Yes, you know. And I think that's a big thing too. Like the the art of the album, it's lit. It's like your real first impression of what what this is going to sound like. For sure. Like so, when you see something. So like you see like that that it's it's I'm pretty sure it's a girl, wearing a yeah, mask, so. right? Um, 
I, I just don't know if it's like a mannequin or something. Yeah. But, um, you know, like, it's like, what is this going to sound like? And immediately you think it's going to be clean and maybe emo type it's of deal bright. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's a bright cover. So you're not thinking something really heavy and angry like that. But it's really interesting the artistic take that people do with the art. And I think it's a huge impact on how it's perceived. Yeah. But well, what's interesting too, like, think about the albums they released afterwards and that album art. A lot more yeah. dark, oh, for yeah. sure. For sure, right? And you and I would say they got heavier from this album. Um, oh yeah, maybe maybe that's another podcast episode: the <laughs> evolution of Under Oath and who they became. Oh yeah, but yeah, dude, I I yeah remember hearing this album and and liking it. I I was into like metal and stuff, but um, didn't really come back to it until after the next album when I heard Writing on the Walls. And like started getting really into Define the Great Line, um, came back to their only chasing safety, and this became just like a foundational record for me. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I first heard this album. I didn't like it. What? I I don't know. I mean, so my first song was, you know, reinventing your exit, and it was the music video for it. Yeah, this is that guy like trying to escape or something like that. Yeah, He's like yeah. running out of a we'll, building. We'll get to it. Jumping, we'll get to that. When doing we get parkour. To <laughs> yeah, and uh, I don't know. It came out on like TVU live. You know, like yeah. radio use like mu- music video thing that I watched in high school or middle school, high school freshman. Anyway, and I just remember thinking like another poppy band that wants to scream in the background. Mm. And I, I just didn't like it at that point. And then they had a, that other music video come out. It's Dangerous Business Walking Out Your Front Door. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought that was kind of silly with the snow and it melts halfway through. Didn't pay attention to the lyrics. But boy, we'll get to that song. Um, I don't know. And I just, I kind of brushed it off. Like, okay, I know who Under Oath is. I've heard two of their songs. Like, right. probably their two catchiest mainstreamy songs. Um, and I mean, I liked them, but not enough to like delve into the album, but until define the great line came out, which is their next album. That's when I fell in love with them. And I went back and I'm like, what was wrong with me? Yeah. Like this is good. Sure. It's not as heavy as define the great line, but it has a huge impact on the scene. And like, I respect the album for what it's done to, to metalcore in general, but it's it's not my favorite Under Oath album, but it's a great one. And I'm upset with myself for waiting, what, like three or four years after it came out to start yeah. liking it. Yeah, I, I think I agree it's not my favorite, but it, it might have some of my top maybe ten Under Oath songs. Like maybe mm-hmm. even three of my top ten Under Oath songs on this album. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, you've, you've rated gosh. them? Oh, dude, I, yeah, I, I top 10 everything, dude. I just have a collection of top 10s. Top 10 fruits, <laughs> top 10 deodorants. Top sure. 10 bathrooms to use in public. Oh, dude, this might be weird going on the podcast, but seriously, at Eastern, our college, like, I had, like, the prime locations. <laughs> like, I had it set out, so I would have, like, there's there were two spots that were, like, legit, right? The upstairs of our student union building, like, the third floor that no one went to, 
uh, by like the computer lab. Boom, that place was awesome. Or downstairs in the library where it had like all those like microfiche machines and stuff, and you yeah. could like nobody was down there, dude. It I've was never used so that bathroom nice. though. I've been <laughs> so nice. I've always been afraid to be down there. Don't you like rent projectors and stuff down there? Oh too? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was my that was my go to. If I was going down there, I was going down there to poop. So. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Top 10 <laughs> under songs. Yeah, I've got a few of them on here. <laughs> so uh, my other opinion of the album, uh, because of this podcast being, you know, digging into it, um, I've learned it's a lot of relationship baggage. Yeah. Like a lot of the songs are just a lot of relationship issues and frustrations and even like hypotheticals. But there, there are subtle hints of their faith in the lyrics. And I think there's one song that's like a slap in the face, Jesus. You know, he says Jesus. Right. So, But the rest, like, there's debatable parts where it's like, well, he could be talking to God or to himself or, you know, like, it, it's debatable. And you could go either way. But well, I'm, I think we'll get to those as we jump in. But yeah. Do you have any other final thoughts or notes before we actually get into each track? Man, I, I just think that, like... I've I've strayed away of listening to like the newer stuff of Under Oath, like nothing against. I just haven't really got into it. Um, but like going back and listening and, and and studying for this this podcast and looking at the lyrics, like it unlocked some core memories for me. Like mm. that's I think that was pretty cool to look at and like didn't realize how much this album actually probably influenced my musical taste. Like moving forward, right? Like. I was into some of these other bands, but like, you know, Asley Dying and stuff like that. And I was into the new metal phase, but like, this definitely took me on that emo side of things. Yeah. Yep. Um, and yeah, like, man, some of my favorite memories that I have are with some of my buddies listening to Under Oath, you know? So, absolutely, this is really cool. I'm, I'm so stoked to dive in. Well, let's start with track number one. Young and aspiring. So let's not even try your eyes. Let's fight up and throw it out the window. Ripping away so I thought this thing before I was a Looking at like what this song means, like reading the lyrics and stuff, like for this uh-huh. podcast, I didn't ever think it was about what it's about. Same. I was like, <laughs> not <what>? even close. <laughs> and so supposedly, a, a, a girl. Supposedly, it's about like a girl with an eating disorder or a friend with an eating disorder, something along mm-hmm. those lines. And I never looked at it that way. I thought it was just like looking at yourself in the mirror and like being sick with maybe like. See, I always came from this like Christian, Christian like perspective, like looking at yourself and your and yeah. your sins that you mm-hmm. keep falling back into and being sick of the person you are. Like I think it talks about like um, sick, just staring at the person in the mirror. You yeah. Know? And I'm always and I was like, oh yeah, dude, it's for sure. Like thinking about all this this the sins your past life, you know, before coming to Christ. But like now, knowing what it it is about, or the band says. I can totally see that it's about an eating disorder. Uh-huh. Like, and there's a specific line that, like, it it says to, 
you're a classic disaster with a knack for losing your exterior. Um, which to me, like, okay, I guess that totally does insinuate an what, eating disorder. Because they're losing okay. weight? They're losing no. weight, yeah. That's yeah. to me, like, I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense. <laughs> but, you know, I can see how, like, looking back, how I thought all those things, but kind of makes me sad. Yeah. Because I, I really like this song. Yeah, like, there's a lyric that I really like. That it's based, I think it's the, it's the chorus, you know. Showing the person, it shows that the person has like thinks differently, yeah. and like nothing you say, they're not going to change their mind and they're not going to stop their disorder. Right. And so he's like, I have all these thoughts and things that I want to say, but I'm never going to say them. Yeah. Like I'll never tell you about them because you don't listen anyway. And to be clear, I'm not sad because this song's about an eating disorder. Like I'm. <laughs> oh man. I'm not sad. That's I'm what not, it's about. Like gosh dang it now now I hate the song. No, it's not that. I'm just I'm like, I had this thought of what it was before, and I was just completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Um. But it is something that people struggle with you know, and have struggled with for a long time is just body image perception. Um, and there's a lot of lyrics in here that really point to that and still doesn't take away from how good the song is. Yeah. I remember like, I feel like it's not talked about nowadays, but I remember like when I, when I was in high school, that was like the talk, like who has, who's anemic, who's bulimic. Yeah. And like, you know, they would talk about it all the time how it's a serious thing. And I remember thinking, like, ah, no one has it. But on the wrestling team, I knew some wrestlers who became anorexic. Yeah. Just from habit, you know, like, I need to cut weight. I made... So, like, here's a story. If some of you know me, I will, like, leave names out. You probably... I've heard the story anyway, if you know who I'm talking about. But we would go to state for wrestling, and we'd eat out... But, you know, we'd go to, like, Azteca or something and have a bunch sure. of Mexican food. But it would be, like, chips and salsa, yeah. you know. like, And then you have one day to make weight. And there's a guy on our team who just eat enchiladas and burritos. And it's like, dude, you are not making weight no, if you're yeah. going to eat like that. And he's like, I'll be fine. And we go back to the hotel room and he's like, everyone's like, hey, do you guys want to go out for, like, a run before we go to bed or something? Because we got to drop weight or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'll be out there in a second. And he goes in the bathroom. And you just hear like hurling. And he's like, no, I'm good. I think I'll make weight now. Gross. And yeah. he just, you know, just throw up to like, I mean, I get it as a wrestler to like, to do There's that. But then yeah. as soon as later in life, you know, thing, it becomes a problem. Cause now you're like, you know, like oh, I feel gross after eating that much pizza. And instead of just being like, I'm going to bed. I feel gross. I hate this. Yeah. You know, it's like. Oh, I know the how to get this out and feel better, and it just becomes a habit, and it, right. you know, it, it becomes a problem. But I feel like it's not talked about enough anymore, and it's just You're ignored, right. and it's probably right. it's probably worse of a problem now too, because now it's like all the social media pictures, like, you know, I'm gonna use the software to change my image instead of yeah. physically changing it too, and it's right. Like I think I think you you 
hit the nail on the head. Like when we were in high school, like early to late two thousands, right? I mean, it was talked about all the time. I, there was commercials and stuff, and mm-hmm. it, there might be still. You know, I mean, I guess we have to like realize that we're old men now, Gary. So we're not in that <laughs> <Hey>. scene. <laughs> we're not in that scene anymore. But like, I mean, yeah, body image issues have transcended everything and you're right man it's on everything social media to whatever it is everyone's trying to post the picture where they look the best and it's just out of this out of hand man yeah it's crazy but anyways going back to the song (laughs) this is a i mean this is why under oath is popular i think the back and forth between aaron's awesome voice Mm-hmm. Beautiful voice and Spencer's great screams, and Spencer sings. He does. He has. Yes, he does have like some clean. There are. Here too. There, I remember when I listened to them back in Define the Great Line times, where I'd be like, "Wait, how many vocalists are there? There's three, right? Yeah. But for then, because he got a little darker, it was like a darker, heavy scream and a lighter scream, and then Aaron Gillespie singing. And this one, he like kind of does like a talking scream and so it's like yeah. wait wait how many people are singing here but yeah i think i think this song is a great one to start with um because i think it shows their dynamics you have the keys in the background for choruses and stuff that show up and like take the forefront of like instead of guitars um yeah. and the way that spencer goes into talking to screaming and aaron's vocals jump coming in like it just shows like look at all the sounds we can make on this album yeah. you know and it is, it is kind of, I don't want to say like super poppy, but it but it does have some of that feel to it. But what they do, like the ending of this song, and I think they do it with a lot of, of their songs. I think of like Writing on the Walls um, as a good one too. They have kind of this heavy outro. Love it. Love that ending part. It's so great. Um, and it's the times where it's like, if, if you go see them live, right, it's like the times where all of a sudden people start moshing, right? That's where people are going to yeah. start throwing hands. But it's right at the end of the song. Right at the end. <laughs> Ab- yeah, absolutely. Um, and then and then the song just, you know, uh, it fades out and it transitions, boom, quick mm-hmm. to the next song. Can you feel your heartbeat racing? Taste the fear in your sweat. You've done this wrong, it's too far gone. These sheets tell of regret. I admit that I'm just a fool for you. I'm just a fool for you. What does that title even mean? Yeah. A boy brush red living in black and white. Dude, I don't know. I usually see it and it's like a boy brush red dot 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 and then you can't like see the rest of it um, when I'm listening to it. So it's like I've... it's like August Burns Red like pop band. A boy brush red. <laughs> a boy brush red. <laughs> <laughs> this song is interesting for a few reasons. Um Number one, it's the most played on the album. 
Yeah. I don't know. I think this is most played. This is like just the way it starts, you know? It's like super gentle and lightly builds. And the way Aaron Gillespie sings in it and what he sings is like easily memorized lyrics. Mm -hmm. And it's like the songs that start that are, you know, everybody knows all the words to them, right? Everyone knows how this, yeah, this, everyone knows how this song starts. You know, they just hear, can you feel your heartbeat racing? And it's like, oh my gosh. I know this song. Oh my gosh, it's happening. Yeah. And I think that's probably why, because it's like, I don't know. If you show someone the band, they're going to be like, I remember this song. But lyrically, it's unfortunate that this is (laughs) like. (laughs) You know, but I think this is, and we're going to get into this, and this is going to be uncharted territory for us. We're going to talk about premarital sex. Well, I might not talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) So here, I'll give you an explanation from their guitarist, Tim, of what the song is about. That way we don't have to use our own words. And but So he said, it's a fictional slash non-fiction story. From what I understand, it's a true story. Um, and they know the people. But of two people engaged in sexual activity, given the knowledge that that's not what they should be doing at the time. Basically, two Christians, or two people in general, who have a certain set of morals that they have set for themselves, and are at the point of breaking those morals... And all the things that go through your head and the decisions that you make when you decide to turn your back on what you've set before yourself and you go through with it. Um, As the song progresses, it's kind of like the repercussions of it as well. If you read the lyrics, it's a boy and then the conscience that is speaking to him. And it's kind of a war in himself to figure out what's right. And uh, he has some repercussions that end up pretty badly. End quote. That's word for word I just read. You know, and... It's kind of interesting, like, looking at the title, right? Like, we make fun of it. It's August Burns Red's boy band, for sure. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, it's this idea of, as Christians, we live in this world of black and white. Or or it would be so much easier if it was black and white. If it was easy to say, don't do this, do this. I don't need to feel that, feel this. But and, sometimes and you shouldn't do that, and, and you, you shouldn't. Should. Yeah. Yes, Telling and so others. sometimes those black and white rules aren't that easy because we're humans and we have temptations, right? And so this boy, this brush red, he's living in this black and white world, um, and obviously the things he know knows he needs to say no to. It's not that easy to say no. Yeah, and you know I think it's an artistic choice to say red instead of gray. Because, you know, gray means, you know, it's not black and white. But red is like sin. Yep. Right? A boy brushed in sin living in a black and white world. What's right? What's wrong? And he's like, meh, I've sinned. Yeah. And there's a lot of like super like it's it's catchy and all that stuff. There's like some heavy lyrics like reading it. Like this is like a straight up like it is an argument with mostly like I feel like it's an argument with yourself. Right? There's this like conscience, like I think you said, Tim said maybe. Yeah. There's this conscience, this fight internally. Well, look who's dying now.
next door. Like the dude, like in this theoretically story, right? Mm-hmm. He's harming himself because of yeah. his decisions, and his he's so guilty that he's he's cutting. Yeah, and so like I mean that's heavy. That's like this whole idea of like it's just crazy because you know you can identify maybe you didn't like do that exactly but you can definitely identify with the people in the story um when it's not that easy to say no as you wish it was Mm -hmm. so i was listening to the uh bad christian podcast a long time ago and even the labeled podcast recently talked about it but the line where he says i always knew you were such a sucker for that Uh you know they originally had another word in there oh i know this you know about i know you know about that um right uh sucker for that whore whore yes (laughs) so that was originally in there um and i think when they play the song live now i'm told that they do use it but you know nowadays because you know they're so cool (laughs) anyway (laughs) But someone at the label basically said to them uh, after they heard the song, they're, they're like, if you do that, it might not go over well with your fan base because that's oh, a certain word, you know? Sure. Um, and because they know the girl that it, they're singing about, um, they might regret it in the future. Be calling this girl uh. that in a song that will live on forever. Yeah. Um, and from what this person was saying on the podcast, they were like, artistically, they're glad they left it out. Right. Didn't like immortalize this word into this song. Cause I think it also would change the feeling. It, that'd be a lot more anger than just, I always knew you were such a sucker for that. Yeah. You know, that being sleeping with her yeah. rather than saying that girl, right? <laughs> you know, uh, but he is, you know, talking to himself about that. Like, you know, beating himself up. Right. And um, so that, that, that to me, if, if it really was like part of me, like it could be, but part of it too, like, I don't want to like say the band's like line or whatever, but part of it too, like, okay, maybe whatever. But even if it was like, you're not necessarily calling that, that girl, that it is that battle and that conscience in your head. Right. They're not necessarily saying that she is, but it's, it's like, I don't know. If, if you're beating yourself up inside your head and you're you're doing all those types of things, sometimes you say things like that you probably don't necessarily mean, right? Yeah, it's like a hyperbole. Yes. You make it sound way worse yes. than it really is to make you like try to, you know, reel your head and be like, nope, I'm not going to do that anymore because it's so bad. Right. But could you, you know? see how people could misconstrue it and all of a sudden write them off, especially during this time? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, and it's kind of interesting that the label told them to to change it because I mean I feel like well from what I was told from what I heard on on the other podcasts was they said it was up to them they they could leave it oh, in okay. but they would suggest not to based on you know their experience and like knowing the culture of the scene at the time like you may regret it your fan base may not like it. Dude, I could see so many of me and you's back in the day. <laughs> I know. Yep. Looking at it and being like, nope, <laughs> never happening. I knew they weren't Christians. I told everybody, but no one listened to me. <laughs> yeah, um, and totally. Like, 
it's crazy too. Like the we we talked about this when we did um, August Burns Red album. What am, I can't even think of it right now. Um, Leveler. Leveler. Gosh, jeez. Yeah. Leveler. We talked was about a long time ago when man. he said, uh, "You bastard!" Right, and like, yeah, that was such a pretty big word too yeah. for them to include. Um, but that's that's seven years later or whatever when it whenever it was released like yeah, th- yeah this is this a oh four yeah it's a different time we were in college yep this would have been bad because even like the showdown in oh seven yeah had a song called fanatics and horse yeah <laughs> and uh that didn't go over very well either but i was gonna say let's get back to the song the song and not, <laughs> not the word yeah before we have to put explicit on this episode or something um i mean it just goes to show i think like the the genius too of under oath this idea of you can have these screams you can have this heavy music but if you have these catchy choruses and singing parts people can from all sorts of walks of life can can grab a hold of this yeah. Right, more so than a War of Ages or Azalea Dying, or other yeah. bands that were kind of in that genre. Sure, and uh, so many people will say, you know, Underoath is what got them into heavy music, right? Because nothing they would never have gone this heavy without something that catchy. Yeah, because they're listening to palatable. Hawthorne Heights, they're listening to Chiodos, and then all of yeah. a sudden they hear this, which has a lot of the same type of music. Just mm-hmm. the heavier lyrics and vocals. Yep. Yeah. And this is a great song to really showcase that, like, there's a lot of singing in this song. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. I really like the part where Spencer, uh, this is the part that I could understand from his screams in the early days when he says, So take a breath and close your rise. <laughs> you know, because he says eyes, but he's continuing the your. So he's like, Rise rise and i'm like i'm like yeah he's saying rise guys yeah. I, I understand that clearly <laughs> i absolutely <laughs> i love the chorus like that's my favorite part i love singing it and belting it in the car but i also really love when it says don't shake i'd hate to see you and then it just, then yeah. you have like the guitars too which is like an under oath perfect like guitar riff mm-hmm goes back and forth it's kind of like those octaves it's like na 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 back and forth and it's just awesome yeah love that part so much the good part so something about that too that i always found was like once you figure out what the song's about yeah um because it's more than just like a one-time thing of this guy sleeping with the girl next door yeah that that part that you were just singing he goes on to say I'm so addicted, Ugh, yeah. so addicted. Like now he's like addicted to it. Yeah, can't stop. And like he has to have it. And like it just you know halfway through the song they transition more to that regret that he was talking about and like beating himself up. And now he's addicted. And you know it's just this spirally thing. I don't know. I it just seems weird that the age group that liked it was as young as us. And I wonder how many people really understood what the song was about. Yeah, but I mean let's. Under Oath is probably as young as we were. Right? They were probably right around that age. Yeah. Maybe a few years older than us. 
Uh, they're five five years old. Five years. Us. So when we were freshmen, they were just out of high school, but type of deal. Yep. I mean, yep. So they were in it too. These are one of those bands that you kind of are close to an age and you grow with, which is weird <laughs> to think about. <laughs> you know. Yeah. The the whole August Burns Red thing, you know, where like you we've continually like like them and you see the people at their shows just getting older and start buying <laughs> t-shirts for their kids and <laughs> yeah yeah oh man yeah it's crazy anyway you ready to move to the next let's song? do it track three the impact of reason <laughs> might be my least favorite song on the album Inclu- including the instrumental <laughs> what dude, the instrumental sets up the next song in my opinion oh what no stop. yes dude i'm not even kidding we're gonna get there i'm serious but anyways i for some reason i've always hated that riff that's the intro and the chorus thing it's like i can't deal with that man Huh. Interesting. You like that? It doesn't bother oh, me. Oh, it bothers. I don't but know. I don't know like... why it bothers me. Huh. It's not like it's No, I, I I feel that way with some songs. Like there's a couple Demon Hunter songs <laughs> that have this guitar riff that I can't hear anything but that riff yeah. and I hate it. And every time that song starts, just those first few notes, I'm like, I now know the I I know the whole song in my head and I want it out now. Like so I, I do have that with some like certain tones and guitar riffs. Yeah. Um, but not not here. That's that's what I have for here. The last like minute is redeeming to where mm-hmm. it's something a song I can listen to. Wow. Negative Nancy over here. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I just for some reason that riff just gets me. Um so, yeah. Go you you dial this up. Okay. I'm a fan of ambiguous songs it's oh this is to the t then huh but i have a problem with some of so under oath does these ambiguous songs that are like they have one meeting one meaning uh but they're so ambiguous that it's impossible to decipher and to mean to you something else right sure so if it's ambiguous to where it's like i listen to it and i can come up with a definition that's like this is what that song's about and someone else is like no it's about this but lyrically it backs up both points yeah i love those songs and i think this one is like it 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 jumps on the line of ambiguous and being legit straightforward um but i think the song is like uh, i don't know i don't want to say this uh kind of like inward thoughts of how he's feeling yeah uh like kind of like narrating narrating how he's feeling right now um and i think the song's about him he's suffering from something and he's feeling hurt 
like heartbreak or depressed or whatever right and you know he has the lyrics that are like prop open the door and i can actually see my breath tonight but that doesn't mean i'm breathing Mm -hmm. like he's feeling dead and you know crack a smile just for the sake of it yeah you know just smiling because people are looking at you and you're supposed to do something and you know you're in this band and you're supposed to do something and talk to people uh but he feels kind of dead uh, and he's saying this could take a while, a long while. And I think he's talking about the, the way he feels, the pain. Like, this is gonna, this is gonna last forever, and it sucks. Yeah. like the line he says open mouth closed eyes yeah no words are escaping and i just picture him like you know i don't know if he's praying his eyes are closed and he opens his mouth to talk but he's just like i got nothing yeah you know because he's so he's so defeated there's like apathy Um, a lot of apathy here there's yeah there's lyrics like it's all a blur it's too dark to see ain't it pretty yeah you know saying like you know i'm dull and it's cold outside it's dark outside there's no signs there's no lights i can just be quiet i enjoy this you know Mm -hmm. um and he says uh there's a part where he says try to think of something quick and i think it's because someone's trying to talk to him um and at the end of the song he says now conversation sparks right this is the outro screamy and he says, what an easy way to break the ice. Someone just started talking, and he's like, there we go. I, I'm out of this dull, inward, like... Depression, maybe, even, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, could be heartbreak. That seems to be the theme of this album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. And and once I kind of went down that path, I, I, I kind of like the song, because it has, like, this feeling of... You know, I picture him like at the end of a show, getting on the bus and ready to go to the next show. And, you know, he opens up the door and it's cold. He can see his breath and he's like, huh, that doesn't mean I'm breathing, though. Right. Just because I can see it. And he's just kind of depressed. And he even says, uh, I trust the direction of the driver. Like he doesn't even want to tell the driver where to go or like what's next. He's just like, I'm trusting this guy to do it. And some people are like, you know, Jesus, take the wheel. God, trust the direction (laughs) God is taking you. And I'm like. I think you're pushing. That's exactly that. <laughs> That's what I was like back in the day. I remember this like vividly, like mm-hmm. me and my buddy were like, dude, and sort of going through these lyrics of this album. And I feel like this is going nowhere. I feel like this is going nowhere. Try to think of something quick and trust the direction of the driver. We're like, dude, mm-hmm. the driver's God has to be right. And, I mean, yeah. you're right. Maybe we were pushing that. Yeah, a too much. when he says like, "I feel this is going nowhere," I feel like he's like talking to the bus driver, and it's like small talk, and he's like, "I don't want to be here. Try to think of something quick, you know, yeah. and trust the direction of the driver, you know, just like, ah, uh, because you know, I've been trapped in those conversations like back in the day when we were at you know the office for work and not working from home all the time, <laughs> just going to get coffee, and you know that person walks up, and you're like, "Crap, I'm trapped." <laughs> here comes 10 minutes of the weather outside like you're like how's it going and he actually like starts having a conversation with you without rather than just saying good yeah like it's just as simple to say like crazy weather huh yeah crazy weather but instead it's like you know three (laughs) years ago last week 
the weather was much warmer than this. Right. And it's like, why? How do I get out of this? Yeah. And that's just kind of the, the feeling I got with, you know, he's like, I'm done. I'm spent. Totally can see that. And, and I think the, the, the redeeming part of it for me, I really do like the, the bridge or chorus, whatever, the, the no lights, no lights, no signs, no signs. I really like that and, and the mm-hmm. way that it's sung. Um, and then the ending. When Spencer echoes it. Yes. And there's like mm-hmm. the redeeming, like, hey, like this conversation talking about my issues is the start to solving them. You ready to move to the next song? Yeah, let's do it. Track Cuatro. Reinventing your exit. This song is probably the catchiest song on the album, I would say. Probably. And it is borderline pop music. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and nothing against it. I actually really, really like this song. But I've got to say this. I mean, looking at this, is this really just about a relationship? It's it's pretty ambiguous and vague, and it's like uh, so. Okay, let me. I'll I'll start over with this. Yeah. So lyrically, this song was written also by Dallas Taylor. Yes. I yeah I did see that yeah. Yeah, and you know I mentioned that this is the first song that I've ever heard from them with the video. <laughs> the video. You know. And I think that it is about a relationship. I don't know if it's a friend or more than friends. Sure. But, you know, going good, unstoppable, invincible, and it's fading until they cross the line, you know, and eventually being put up against the wall. And he reacts in whatever way it means that he's put up against the wall. Yeah. But that's literally all there is, I mean, to the lyrics. Like, sure, they talk about being on 12th and Hyde on a Sunday, but it's like that's just a catchy way to start a song for people to be like, there's a street name, you know. I don't know. It just works really well for when it says it's you and me on a Monday. The lies yeah. that we told. <laughs> Dude, okay, let's be honest. Like, the the part of this song that I really like is, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> is all of that, like, Aaron Gillespie. Like, this is, this could be an, the almost song at the end. Yeah, yeah, totally.
love it. I, I love that part so much. Um, this is the way I would have done this up against the wall. And just the way he sings it just reminds me of his other band, The Almost, and just really, really love it for that part. Yeah. And I think that's kind of my feeling with when I first heard it was that he was the front man. Yes. Yeah. And the screamer probably was playing guitar in the background. Sure. You know, like that was like how I envisioned it because obviously the music video, it doesn't show the band at all. Right. It's those, it's, you know about the music video. Do you have all these details? Cause I have so many details. I don't, but I know the music video cause I remember it. It's like this one dude. They make it look like one dude, Oh. but they're twins. I just remember him like but yeah, escaping, the, chasing something. himself. He's like chasing himself and like he keeps going through all these exits, you know, yes. like they go into like a movie theater and like those turn doors that rotate or whatever. And he's like chasing himself. But and it makes you think you're like, wow, look at that CG. They got like him in there and then him in there again. But they're actually twin brothers. And they were on American Idol. What? I remember seeing that episode of American Idol. Where they tried out and Simon Cowell was on there and he's like, uh, he said like this is American Idol, not American Idols, because they auditioned together, and he's like only one of you can make it, <laughs> Didn't. and he's like so you guys either need to pick one of you right now because I'm not taking both, and like you know he was like you know I'm just gonna and he just picked one, I don't remember how far he made he it made but it I remember it. it being, he did he got selected and I I don't think he made it very far because I mean he wasn't very memorable. Otherwise, I'd remember him, right? <laughs> That's funny. I, I feel like, and I might be wrong. You can correct me on this because I did not watch the music video before I, we recorded this podcast. I'm okay. doing this off of 16-year-old Tyler or whenever the last time I saw this music video. Uh-huh. I feel like the dude or dudes were doing parkour, like trying to escape. May, uh, there might have been something like that. And it was also kind of around the time of when The Office was on air. And I remember, <laughs> like, kind of thinking of The Office parkour. parkour, parkour. <laughs> parkour yeah, parkour. and just seeing that happen. And I, fe- yeah. I felt like the music video was super cheesy, um, which, yeah. whatever. I mean, it's... It sounds like the band, like, is very... Well, from current conversations that they have, they, they greatly regret this entire album. Oh, really? Like, like they don't like it. Um, they like they dropped all their emotional baggage and they like don't want to come back to it. Um, Interesting. And, but they were saying that artistically speaking, like they regret that's this song in general. Yeah, it's very very pop. First chorus, first chorus, chorus. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, he they hit that chorus five or six times, and it's like I get it. You're up against the wall. I got it. <laughs> I remember, like, when I first heard this, and I was like, we'd belt this out when it came on in the car or whatever. I always thought he said, up against the world. You got me up against the world or something like that. And I was, like, corrected. Mm-hmm. And I we didn't do milkshake bets back then because I didn't know you. But it, we, we made a bet. And I was like, I, could, I will bet you a million dollars that it is up against the world. And somehow, maybe he pulled out the little CD pamphlet or whatever. And he showed me that it said wall. And I was like, you've got to be absolutely kidding me. I, I would have bet everything he said world there. And now I can never hear world again when I hear it. Uh, hmm. Yeah. So Now that you know the correct now way. Now that I know yeah. the correct way. So, I mean, 
it's just it definitely is wall i don't know if it would have changed anything for me that's a saying you know you got me up against the wall yeah but i mean like i also was like a newer christian i was like yeah we're up against the world dude this is a christian band so of course man (laughs) of course this is what it is yeah all right (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I, i mean this song though like it's a song that i could listen to in the car with my wife and my kids and she knows the lyrics and I know uh-huh. the lyrics and my kids will start knowing the lyrics because it's catchy and poppy <laughs> and not super heavy. Yep. Totally. Yep. I echo that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to your favorite song. My favorite song, the instrumental. It's not my favorite song, Gary. But I like it. The blue note. I like it. Parentheses instrumental because <laughs> we would have had no idea if they didn't say that. <laughs> Not to be confused with the brown note. Which is? You know the brown note. You don't know the brown note? I mean, is that a fart? Oh, it's a magical note that, well, I don't don't know the theory. (laughs) Well, they expounded on it. They had a whole whole episode. But there's a theory that there's a note (laughs) that if you heard, it would expel your bowels. (laughs) There's a theory. It's called, it is a theory, but it's called the brown note. Anyway, miss joke on Tyler, whatever. Sorry. Uh, in my opinion, it's awesome. The song shouldn't exist. Son of a biscuit, dude. Are you kidding me? So I like instrumentals, right? Every I know time you we do. talk about them, you love them. Like we talked about Norma Jean's instrumentals, and you're like, why are we even talking about? And this? you like and those? Like, we're we're gonna talk about it. Yeah, I like it. This is just jazz drumming with a girl unintelligibly talking in the background. Uh, I'm pretty sure she's and counting. ends with. She eventually says, three, two, one. I'm like, just put that in the beginning of the next song and be done with it. Okay. Gary. I, Sell it to me. Let's hear I it. I myself do not like instrumentals very much. Okay? You know that about me. When we did volunteer mm-hmm. tooth filling for Norma Jean, I was, <laughs> like you just said, this is lame. This is, I would Why much rather there? go yeah. get a tooth filling right now than talk about this instrumental. <laughs> But the Blue Note, I do like it because it is a great separator from Reinventing Your Exit. And I think what happens is the album gets a little bit, and I might contradict myself when we talk about the next song, a little bit darker. <laughs> I can't wait. A little bit darker. You got to have uh-huh, a little bit uh-huh. of a transition. And I feel like, yes, there's a jazz drumming kind of whatever, but it gets a little eerie. Sure, the next song is a little bit darker in lyrical themes and stuff. Yes, and I think the rest of the album is a little bit darker. And, like, the way that it counts into that and its dangerous business starts is magical. All right. Magical. So here's a a side note, too, that um, people on the internet have a theory of why it's called the Blue Note. Okay. This is not my theory. The Blue Note is an iconic jazz club in new york city okay and this instrumental track is a quiet interlude on the album that combines soft brush drumming you know the like he's using those little funny sticks and electronic sounds from chris dudley's keyboards yeah and they said it's a nod to the ambience and soft quality of jazz music sure i'm cool with that i'm down with that but i think it's not just this ambient sound i think there's 
some eeriness to it. I think it's going to transition to this album getting darker. And it's a really good transition into the screaming start of the next song. Which is on our next episode. Bro. I got to wait. You got to wait for the best song on the entire (laughs) album. But the good thing is, Gary. Yes, Tyler. (laughs) (laughs) While they wait for part two, there's a lot of places they can check us out. Yeah, so you can check us out on Instagram, find us on Discord, buy us a cup of coffee by becoming a patron, and you'll be able to listen to part two a little bit early. Thank you for listening.